Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. If you remember, just to review for a few minutes, the the believers, remember chapter 4 leading into 5, they're generous They're giving their things away. They're selling property and they're giving the proceeds to all who had needs so that there was no need left among the church. Wouldn't it be uh, just amazing for me to get up and say, hey, today, y'all, because of your generosity, there is no need left in this church. Every need, and I didn't say want. Some of y'all want a brand new F-150. Not going to happen. We're not taking up an offering for that. But check it out, every need is met. Wouldn't that be incredible if we were that kind of people and every need was met? Maybe we'll get there one day. I think we're moving in the right direction. Y'all are some generous folks. We're able to help a lot of people because of your generosity. And I'm not about to take up the offering, but I just want you to know that. You just need to know that. But because of their generosity, I mean, there was no need that remained. And so we see that individuals were selling property, giving the proceeds. And then Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be like them. And so what did they do? Well, they sold a piece of property, got the proceeds. And what did they do? What was the crime? Well, they pretended like they had given all of the proceeds. Everybody say all. But when in fact they had only given some of the proceeds, and when they were confronted with the truth, this is in the New Testament, they died right there on the spot. Who did that? These were the first people in the history of the church to get slain in the spirit, permanently. And how many of y'all know they they haven't gotten up? That's a whole nother level of meaning, huh? And look, look at what the Bible says, that great fear came upon the whole church. Like, I mean, if that happened here, like, I mean, how do you end that type of service? You take up an offering. <laughs> I mean, think about this. Right there on the spot. But up to chapter 4, everything looks good, doesn't it? Say yes. Yeah. yeah. The church is growing and lives are being changed. And of course you get to chapter 5 and you read about Ananias and Sapphira and it's like, at least for them, literally things crash. But the early church, we're told, was healthy in many ways. And, you know, church growth experts, all them, all all those people, they they tell us that if if a thing is healthy, if a church is healthy, then it's going to what? It's going to grow. People have told you, if you've been in leadership circles, if your business is healthy, it's going to, if your marriage is healthy, it's going to, and how many of y'all know there's all kind of truth to that? There's truth to that. Yes? Would y'all agree? Yeah. But you know, you know how I am. I have to tell you the other side of it. Um, that is true. But how many of y'all know there are some unhealthy things that grow as well? And if you don't believe me, just ask someone who's dealing with stage four cancer. Something very unhealthy is in that person's body. And as the cells multiply and as the tumor spreads, the tumor takes over uh, organs in the person's body. And even though the person looks great for a while on the outside, how many of y'all know they're dying a slow death on the inside? And how many of y'all know that's a picture that we have? Oh, this is a reminder for us today that we can look good on the outside. 
A church can look great on the outside. A marriage for a while can look great on the outside, but it's like I hear Luke saying in this book. It's like I hear him going, I can just see him going like this. Hold on, hold on. Growth is good. But it's like I just hear Luke saying, by the Spirit, don't get so caught up in the quantity that you lose sight of the quality of the thing. Because there are some very unhealthy things growing today in the world. One day God's going to deal with it, but you, just, you can't look at just the number. You can't just look at the size. You can't just look at the outward appearance of a thing. You have to look at the internal substance or the lack thereof. Are you with me? So what does this mean? This means that just because something is glowing and growing doesn't mean that it's pleasing to God. Some things look good on the outside, but they're rotten to the core on the inside. If you don't believe me, well, just talk to Ananias and Sapphira one day about their decision and about their lives in Acts chapter 5. They look good on the outside, didn't they? But their intentions were rotten to the core. Hey, listen to me carefully. I want to pastor y'all. Please get this. God is not just interested in building a large church. And this is a, man, this is a big service. Lots of people here, and I want more to come. You hear me? I want you to go reach people, and I want you to disciple people. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Come on, husbands and wives. You know what that means in the natural, but I want that to take place in the spiritual as well. How many of y'all know growth is good? But I hear God saying, he's not just interested in building a large church. How many of y'all know Jesus died to create a pure church? A not, not a perfect church, but a pure church. Church, he's not just interested in explosive numerical growth. He, he, he wants us to experience by his spirit consistent spiritual growth. And I think I've got some folks here at the Midtown campus who want both. But in Acts 5, we see a beautiful picture of both. Everybody say both. The severity and the kindness of God. We see the severity of God in him judging Ananias and Sapphira. And the, severe, the severity of this judgment caused fear to come upon the whole church. And the effect of this was, well, the Bible says that some people would not dare join the apostles. Because they counted the cost of what it meant to be a member of the church. I could hear some of them saying, I ain't joining that church. I ain't getting struck dead. But how many of y'all know when you become a believer, you're called to a higher standard? If you didn't know that, my name is Pastor Scott and I'm your friend. And friends tell friends the truth. You're called to a higher standard. And listen to me carefully. You aren't better than. You're just called to be different from. You understand? You're not better than anybody. You're just, if you're a believer, you're supposed to be different from others. You understand? That's me fleshing out my theology. You're, you're not better. You're just different. Uh, not, not too long ago, um, I, got, I got a text from a, a gal, super close 
friends with my wife, she texted me, and basically the question through text was this. Are there aliens in the Bible? She said, does the Bible talk about aliens? Because, like, she and her husband are having this big discussion about aliens. Uh, and, and so she, she texts me. She thinks I'm like the Bible answer man. Um, so, you know, I said, just, I wanted to say, just Google it, you know. <laughs> you know? But I texted her back, and I said, of course aliens are in the Bible. Did y'all know that? Yes, aliens are in the Bible. Did y'all know that? that come on, y'all, the National Enquirer has been saying that for decades. Don't y'all believe the National Enquirer? <laughs> Of course, I'm, I'm serious. Did you know that the Bible says that there are aliens? Did, you, did anybody, raise your hand if you knew that. One person, two, anybody else? Okay, I'm going to prove it to the rest of you. Look up here. 1 Peter 2.11, look at this in, in the Bible, in the New American Standard Bible 95. There it is, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Look at this. To abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Did you know that if you're a believer, a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled believer, you are an alien. You are born again from another world. And how many of y'all know when you're born again, when you repent of your sin, and you keep on repenting of your sin, and you desire to live holy, and you desire to please God, you will look like a freak to the world. Like a freak of nature, and you'll look like a freak to some people in the church who don't want to pay the price of holiness. Oh, I'm preaching good to y'all today. You'll look like a freak. Remember, we're not better than, we're just different from. We're aliens, strangers. People should look at us and be like, but at the same time, wow, wow. Because they don't walk around like they're better than, they're just different. We've been born again from another world, born again from on high. And, you know, I just, I just saw this fleshed out. It's one thing to have it on paper. It's another thing to see it in real life. Just this last Friday, I was at Skip and Yvette's wedding. We're at Skip and Yvette, we're at, please stand up. Please stand up. Come up here. Just turn around where everybody can see your faces. Look here. Turn, I, I, I hate to embarrass you, but let me embarrass you. But I'm so proud of this couple. Okay, you can sit down. I just want everybody to see you. I showed up to the wedding. It was refreshing because, well, I mean, I like doing weddings, but I didn't have to do this one. I didn't have to officiate because the Reverend Gerald Bear, man of God extraordinaire, officiated. I just sat down. I'm like, this is cool. I sat down. I just watched and observed. And, and, and their story is lengthy. But, but what you need to know is that they, they lived a very, very rough life before they met Jesus. Come on, any, any of y'all have like a really, really, really rough past? Or maybe some addiction, maybe some darkness, definitely sin in different degrees. But, but their story involves a lot of impurity, a lot, just some, can I say this, some jacked up stuff. Check this out. At the wedding, I'm watching, I'm watching Skip and I'm watching, you know, his face as Yvette comes around the corner and he just, he just breaks. He starts weeping as she comes around the corner. Now, people do that at worldly weddings, don't they? But I'll tell you what made this one different. That though they had blown it in the past, for the last nine months, they had decided to live for God and to live holy and pure before God. And as my pastor told me about Kelly before I married her, treat her like fine china with no fingerprints. For nine months, he loved her 
in the way that Christ has called him to love her before marriage. And when she walked down that aisle, so to speak, she was a pure woman of God. It didn't matter what she had done in the past because God makes all things new. And when she stood there, he's weeping. I can't speak for you, Skip. But on that day, that white dress meant something. It stood for her purity. It stood for the fact that if you compare this story to the stories of the world, y'all were like aliens, strangers and foreigners. Why would you wait again to get married before you have sex? Why can't you just go on? You've already done it. You should just keep on doing it. They said, no, we're going to do this God's way. And they stand as aliens, as strangers and foreigners. And the world looks at that and be, they're like, that's foolish. But God says, no, that's pleasing in my sight. And I'm so proud of y'all. The old is gone. The new has come. Old chapters are closed. Behold, a new chapter is here. Because you honor God, he'll honor you. So we see in Acts 5 a beautiful picture of the severity of God. But we also see a picture of the kindness of God. The Bible says in Acts 5, 12 through 16, now many signs and wonders were regularly done. Wouldn't that be cool if that happened here? Regularly done, not just every now and then, regularly done among the, among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Look at this, verse 13. Oh, here it is right here. None of the rest dared to join them. <laughs> Didn't matter how creative their membership process was, how, the, how fancy the connect card was. No one, look at what it says. No, none of the rest dared join them. But, but here's the contrast. But the people held them in high esteem, verse 14. And more than ever, everybody say more than ever. Believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, if I were to add, who counted the cost and said, we're coming anyway. So that verse 15, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. How incredible. Notice the contrast. While many wouldn't join the apostles, Luke tells us that more than ever, multitudes were added. Many were healed, set free, and delivered. And by the way, is there anyone here right now who's dealing, you're dealing with physical sickness in your body and you need a healing? Let me see your hand right now. Every, every eye open and every head up. Let me see your hand. All right. I want you to pray with me. Come on, everybody, right now, as the body of Christ. Keep your hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, we come right now, not with any gimmicks, certainly with no presumption. We approach you according to your word. And Lord, I ask, we as a corporate body, we pray right now for bodies to be healed, for cancers to be removed. Lord, we pray right now for backs to be straightened, for minds to be set free. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for the, the grip of the enemy to be released. Lord, we, we bind the works of Satan. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. It's that name that we pray in. I pray for total and complete healing, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Would you minister to my friends right now with their hands up right now, Lord? Right now, I pray, Lord, that you would move supernaturally, Lord, according to your mercy. 
Lord, we know that you judge, but Lord, you're also a God of mercy. We know that. We know that from our experience. So Lord, would you show special grace? Would you show mercy today? Lord, for all, all, all who are in need in their bodies, Lord, by your stripes we are healed. By your wounds we are made well and whole, yes, spiritually, but I pray that that would also be true physically right now. With your hand up right now, just before the Lord right now. Just rest in his presence. Holy Spirit, come. And we know you're here. You're here. But come in a powerful way right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. sense your presence here. We know you're here. You were here before we sensed your presence. Make us aware. Make us more aware. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now that didn't hurt, did it? That didn't hurt, did it? More and more believers were added. How many of y'all know God's a merciful God? Five of you know that. How many of y'all know he's a merciful God? How do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. But the Bible and my experience tells me so. How do I know God's merciful to me? Because he didn't kill me a long time ago. How do I know he's merciful? Because he allowed you to wake up again today. How do I know he's merciful? Because God didn't wipe this nation off the face of the earth he created for all the abominations and abortions and railing and rebellion against him. If you've had an abortion, there's grace and mercy. If you repent, turn to Jesus. That's not my purpose. I'm just saying. How many of y'all know he's merciful? He's merciful. Psalm 103 says it this way. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who what? fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Boy, that's really good news, isn't it? He's merciful. He's good. Now, you would think that everyone would have been happy with the apostles because they're turned loose. <laughs> People are being saved, set free, and delivered. But listen to what Acts 5, 17, and 18 says. But the high priest, everybody say high priest, so we're tracking. High priest, say it with me. High priest, high priest, rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them into, uh, in the public prison. Now think about this. You'd think that they would be happy about all that was going on. But instead, the Jewish leaders are, are what? They're, they're jealous because people were going to the apostles instead of coming to them. And so they throw them in prison thinking that they had stopped the apostles. But let me remind you of the point of this message. If it is of man, then it will. But if it is of God, no one can stop you. So let me prove my point. Acts 5, 19 through 26. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said this. This messenger from God, Angelos, this angel came and said, go and stand at the temple and speak to all the people, all the words of, of this life. Verse 21, and when they heard this, 
They entered the temple. <laughs> they broke free at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate, the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Verse 22. But when the officers came, notice this, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison. I can just hear them. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. I guess so. About them wondering what this would come to. Look at verse 25. And, when, and someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Verse 26, then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Now, how frustrating this must have been for the Jewish leaders. I mean, the, the, the apostles are out doing what they said they shouldn't do, so they're arrested not once, but this is the second time, thrown into prison but the angel of the Lord comes, this messenger comes and says, basically, the doors are open. Go and do what you've been doing. Go teach. Go share the message. Get back after it. So the apostles do what? They obey and they walk back out. There they are going at it once again. And the Jewish leaders are beside themselves. Now, I read this and I'm like, man, this is incredible. This is a picture of the type of church that God is raising up in these last days. As one old preacher said, I mean, the apostles were like that trick candle. You know, it's your birthday. You go to blow out that candle, and you're like, I'm done. I made my wish. The candle's blown out. But what happens in that trick candle? It comes back. The fire comes back. You blow it again, and then it goes out, and then it what? It comes back. How many of y'all know that's a picture of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ? Though the devil blows, though COVID and pandemics come, the devil thinks we're down, but come on, by the Spirit of God, we keep on coming back. You can't take this fire from me or from God's church. They just kept on coming back. Like that punching bag when you're little, you hit it, it's weighted at the bottom, it just keeps on coming back. Peter, Peter was like, like Rocky Balboa. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all seen Rocky too? Okay. Rocky too. Apollo Creed, Rocky Balboa, they, they box, they beat the snot out of each other. They both end up where? Who's seen it? Where? Hospital. You know, eye closed down, I mean, faces beat up. And then some time goes by, and there's Apollo in his office surrounded by his team talking about the prospect of a rematch. Y'all remember this? And then Duke, Duke comes up, leans over the table, and he said to Apollo, he said, he said, he's all wrong for you. He's all wrong for you. I saw you beat that man like I never saw no man get beat before. But he kept on coming. Leave him alone. How many of y'all know that's a picture of the apostles? They were accused. They were persecuted, struck down, but thank God not destroyed. And they kept on coming. Come on, that's a picture of y'all. I was thinking about y'all earlier. Some of y'all in this last season, you, you got hit with some sickness. 
and you got hit with a setback and you let your guard down, you were stupid and you got knocked down by some sinful, dumb decision and you got knocked down on the ground. And by all appearances, it looked like you were finished. It looked like it was a knockout. But the spirit of the living God wouldn't let you stay down. You thought your marriage was over. You thought your health was finished, but you got back up. And this isn't a you can do it message. You, you can't do it, but God in you can. Come on, y'all. We serve the God of all creation. Nothing's too big for him. Nothing's too hard for him. He cannot fail. So, we see here just a powerful account of these apostles who are just stubborn. Stubborn. Or let's use this word, tenacious. They were, they were resilient, weren't they? But the, key, the, the question is, what was the key to the apostles' resilience? Well, you can say a lot of things, huh? But let me give you a big word. Actually, it's not that big. It's big in its importance. It's easy to remember and spell. Obedience. Come on, Cajuns hate that word. <laughs> Don't you? I'm broad brushing a bit. Because it's all of grace, right? Yeah. Your salvation and your obedience. <laughs> so let me be careful here, but let me tell you the truth at the same time. God's called us to obey. You hear that? This is the commandment that you believe. This is, I, mean, I can multiply examples. God, God really wants you to obey. And that's what the apostles did. They, they obeyed Jesus. Because remember, Jesus is in heaven, but they're on earth. And how's the mission of God going to continue? Through obedient disciples question. Jesus is in heaven, but the mission of God remains. How is it going to continue? How? Through your, say it with me. I know it kind of gets choked up when you say it. <clears throat> say it with me. That O word. So listen, listen to me carefully. So the apostles had heard from God, and so they knew that God said it, and because God said it, that settled it. And it didn't matter what it cost them. They were going to be obedient to the risen Christ. How many of y'all know serving God can be scary at times? If you're serving the God of Scripture, if you're serving the God you made up who lets you do what's convenient for you, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying the God of the Bible, the true living God, he'll ask you to do some things that in the natural, very scary. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He'll ask you to do some things you're not comfortable with. Um, someone said, Pastor God, are you afraid? Are you ever afraid? Oh, yeah. Regularly. Because God's con continually calling me to new levels, asking me to do things I've never done before. And sometimes going back to do things that he asked me to do I didn't do, saying, hey, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's like, what is God asking me to do? the last thing he asked you to do that you didn't do. <laughs> do you get afraid? Yeah, I get, I get afraid. So Pastor Scott is a pastor with all those degrees. What do you do? Here's the best advice I can give you. Because this is what I do. Almost always. When I'm afraid, you know what I do? I go anyway. <laughs> 
I step out anyway. I go anyway. You know how many times I've gotten up here afraid? You know how many times I've taken a campus? I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't tell you that at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. You know how many times I've been afraid? Because watch this. You can defeat fear before you go, or, or alternatively, you can defeat fear while you go. Because see, they were in prison, and here's what I'm afraid of. I, I'm more afraid of staying locked up in my prison of fear. I'm more afraid of the consequences for my children. I'm more afraid of the consequences for people around me. I'm more afraid of not reaching people by staying in my prison than I am going out and stepping out for God. Come on, y'all, in the prison, there in the prison of your life, you can defeat it there or you can just step out knowing the chains have been broken, the door is open. You step out knowing that you're not just going for God, you're going with God. And that's a game changer for your life, for giving money, for starting a group, for preaching the gospel, for stepping out, discipling someone, for starting a business and giving 90% to the kingdom of God. That's scary. But God's looking for some people who are willing to step out. He's not waiting. He's not asking you to, to overcome your fear, then go. He's saying, go anyway. Go even though you're afraid. Because listen to me, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the determination to go anyway, to step out for God because you know he's by your side. Go anyway and defeat that voice on the way. Defeat it on the way. Because the fear of God, when you get it, and you always grow in it, but when you get it, the fear of God will swallow up the fear of man. When you kneel before God and you know who he is, you can stand before any man and overcome your fear. Not to create the best you possible but to give God maximum glory for the miracle that is your life. I don't, you know, it's okay. No courtesy claps. Someone said, God will never give you more than he can handle. And how much can he handle? Given the fact there are Billions of galaxies and more stars in the sky than we can count. And he spoke it all into existence. You serve a big God, bigger and greater than your mind can even conceive. God cannot fail. So when you step out for God, you're stepping out with as we begin to wrap up, and I stress, begin. We're almost there. Y'all are great today. Y'all really, some other weeks, I'm like, I pray for the 9 o'clock. I'm teasing. I'm just, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Acts 5.33. Let's, let's, let's read this. I'm going to comment, and we'll be done. Let's listen to this. Uh, Acts 5.33. And when they had brought them, that is the apostles, they, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here... You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, but Peter, Peter and the apostles answered, here it is, and this is the verse that should just mark your life from this point forward, because in godless America, you're going to need this in your 
spiritual barrel. Uh, we must obey God rather than, say it with me, we must obey rather than, verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Verse 31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who do what? But there's that O word again. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So when having this secret council, verse 35, and Gamaliel said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Verse 37, after him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He, too, perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, with this said, verse 38, in the present case, I tell you, kind of sounds like Duke. Keep away from these men. Leave them alone. And he says, if this plan or this undertaking is of, you say it, it will, verse 39, but if it is of, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So, they took his advice. Can I get some keys? And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. There's your best life now. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Come on, y'all. This is a stubborn bunch, isn't it? Tenacious, resilient, but ultimately what? Obedient. To say what God told them to say. To do what God told them to do. You say, Pastor Scott... I get that, we're not, but we're not under any persecution. What, what does this mean for my life? For starters, it means this. If you're here, and as I preach to you, I mean, I'm looking at some fat, y'all are fabulous crowd today, but from person to person, you gotta take inventory. And I, I wanna ask you this question. Are, are you building your life on Jesus? Or are you building your life on something else? Because listen carefully, listen carefully. If you are building your life apart from Jesus, it doesn't matter how successful you are in your business, from outward appearances, in your marriage, from the things of this world. Listen to me carefully. If you're building your life apart from Christ, you might look successful for a while, but I promise in the end, you will fail. If not in this life, I promise you will in the life to come perpetually and eternally. Now let me pastor you and be real truthful with you. If you 
are building your life apart from Christ, on anything other than Christ, you are in the gravest of danger. Because if your life is of man, it's wood, hay, and straw. Here today and gone tomorrow. If you're building your life on worldly wisdom from the one-liners on Instagram, if you're building your life on, on worldly wisdom, it might give you some, some success for a while and then people start following you, start listening to you. But listen to me, there's wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below. Wisdom from below is demonic. And it seems to work for a season. But wisdom from above is personified in Jesus Christ who came from heaven to the earth to live for us, to die for us, to rise from death for us. And how many of y'all know there is no other name given under heaven by which men are to be saved and delivered? There's no other name. There's no other option. Jesus. But if you build your life on Jesus, his plans, his purposes will never fail. It's impossible. It's impossible for God to fail. So wisdom says, I'm going to find out what is of God and build my life right there. Kind of like years ago, I officiated a, a wedding on the Vermilion River. And I showed up, beautiful place, beautiful home. And I looked around and it was right, you know, pretty close to the river. And as I'm, I'm standing there, I had this thought, I'm like, dear Jesus, if there's ever a big flood, this beautiful home's gonna get wiped away. So it turns out I went and I talked to the owner and the owner said that in all the years that the house has been there, the water has come up to the home, but the water has never come in the home. The water has never touched the home. I'm like, well, how did you know to build it there? He said, oh, the, the farmer I bought it from years ago, he told me that all the years he owned the property, there was one place where the cattle would walk and stand when the water rose. And he said, I, I don't know what you're gonna do, but if I were you, that's where I'd build my house. And that's exactly where this man, he bought the property and built his house where the cattle stood. And to this day, the water has come to the house, but the water has never come in the house because this man built in the right place. Come on, somebody. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came from heaven to the earth, and he died at that place called Calvary. And there he shed his blood for you. There he laid it all down. He died so that you can live. And in this world, there are all kinds of options of places to build. But listen to me. The word of God says the storms are going to come. The water is going to rise. But the man or the woman of God who stands on Christ, who is the rock, will stand no matter what comes your way in this life and certainly in the life to come. Come on, give him some praise today. But stand on the rock. Because if your plans are of man, they're going to fail. But if your plans are built on God, nothing can stand against you because no one can overcome your God. Give Christ Jesus the praise today. Let's build our lives on Him. Come on, let's lift our hands. Jesus, you are Lord. We surrender to you. We surrender to you.
Lord, we, we rest in you today. We thank you for your, your yoke-breaking, curse-canceling power in this place. Holy Spirit, come. I know you're here, but come. Set us free today. Empower us. Lord, we want to be bold. We want to be obedient. As St. Augustine said, command what you will and give what you command. You work in us both the will and the work according to your good purposes and your good pleasures. If you're here today, the sound of my voice, the Holy Spirit's moving, opening hearts, convicting hearts and minds. I know that some of you in this room, you've been building your life on the wisdom of man. You've had a little bit of religion in it, but you've been building on man with the wisdom of man. But with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, right now I'll give you an opportunity to move to safe ground. To safe ground. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Scott, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I have not been standing on the rock. I have not been obedient to him. I have not believed in him. I've been around church. I've been in a religious community, but I've never surrendered to Christ. I don't have a relationship with the Father, but I want one today. I want God. I don't just want my sins forgiven. I want God. If you want God today, if you want a relationship with him, right now you can have that. Because the Bible says that if we believe, if we believe in our hearts, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if we confess out of our mouths that he's Lord, if we believe that, that Jesus is God, he's our Savior, and he died to set us free, if you believe that today, I want to give you an opportunity to turn to him, to turn to him, to give him everything today, to give him everything right now. But it starts with belief. Say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to follow you. I, I want to move to the rock. I've been on sinking sand. I'm moving to the rock today. If that's you, you would say, I want to begin that relationship today. Pastor Scott, I want, I want God right now. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and wave it at me. Slip up your hand and wave it at me. Go like this so I can. no one else is looking around. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else, wave your hand just, just like this. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Put your hands down. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Scott, I want Christ. I want God. I want to build on the rock. I'm going to give you a prayer right now. The prayer doesn't save you. There's nothing magical about this prayer. Jesus saves you. But we're going to say this together. It's a prayer. And this is you confessing Jesus for who he is. So come on. Come on, everybody. Everyone here at Midtown, if you said this prayer or not, I want you to say it. I want you to say it with me and with those that have their, raise, their hands raised. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, say it boldly. I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. Say this with me. And I believe you rose from death to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name we pray.